So you just want to say that we're doing this whole series on Arise. Arise was a word I got at the beginning of the year, and I felt that it was for this year. And out of Arise, we're activating our connections, we're ramping up our worship, we're investing our gifts, we're stretching our faith, but we're also going to be engaging our communities. And this morning, I'm going to continue with the S of Arise, which is about stretching our faith. Last week, I touched on this uh, this whole subject of uh, of doing uh, uh, of stretching our faith, uh, and you can see all the the messages on our YouTube channel. Just head over to there, and uh, all of those messages are there for you to view at your leisure. So this morning, I just want to continue talking about stretching our faith. Last week, I said about us uh, stretching our faith by uh, following Jesus, that it will stretch our faith to follow Jesus, to take our faith beyond Sunday so that it reaches Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and so on, that it's going to stretch our faith for it to reach from our home to our neighbours. It's going to stretch our faith is, is about uh, making our faith go further than ourselves and, and what we believe and what we can see uh, currently right now. See, our purpose is no different from that really of the disciples who Jesus called at first as well. We can see in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, that uh, Jesus said, and he, he went out and he noticed a tax collector named Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and Jesus said to him, Follow me as my disciple, accepting me as your master and teacher, and walking the same path of life that I walk. See, Jesus, uh, it was his intention that his disciples follow him in the pathway of life. Everything that Jesus did, they were to do. So we can see that in the Word of God, where Jesus called his disciples to follow him, that they went where he did, that, uh, that they did what he did. Their faith was stretched in following him. And the, I believe that their call is our call as well, that we've been called to follow Jesus. And stretching our faith, I believe, is about discipleship. It's, it's be, being a disciple of Jesus. That what, that's what stretching our faith is all about. So the closer that we follow Jesus, the more that our faith will be stretched and we'll see the most amazing things happen as we continue to follow Jesus. As we get bolder and more confident in just following Jesus and doing what he's called us to do and uh, to say the things that he's called us to say. And it all boils down to this thing. What are we going to do with God's word as he speaks to us and stretches us as we follow him as his disciples. It's all about the Word of God, but being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out the Word of God in our lives. Are you with me so far? So I'm going to give us four things about this whole thing about stretching our faith this morning. Four ways that we can stretch our faith this morning. Number one, are you ready for number one? It's up on the screen anyway, so you should be ready for it. So stretching our faith Okay, through catching God's word. So we're going to stretch our faith through catching God's word. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If we want to stretch our faith, then it starts by catching the word of God, hearing it. And that means feeding ourselves on the word of God. But not so that we look anorexic in, the, in our feeding style about this whole thing about uh, reading God's word, but so that we look like we've been well fed on God's word. It's okay to overfeed on the word of God. Okay, that's good news. I'm telling you, you can go overboard and feasting on God's word this morning. 
I thought it was a, okay, all right. So, there's something about what we're reading in God's Word that catches our attention. It's like He's speaking to us directly. When we hear God's Word, it changes us. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. See, the way that our lives are going to be changed is by taking in the Word of God that it transforms the way that we think, the, the things that we believe because it's based upon what God says in His Word. We allow the Word of God to come in and flood our minds, to burn up the dross of our thoughts and stuff like that, to, to burn away different things. We, there's some things in life you've got to unlearn. And the only way that you're going to unlearn some stuff is by learning something that God wants us to do. That we cast off the things that we think are about life or what life's about and take on board what God says more important. And we start to learn and to follow through and be a disciple about what God says in His Word. Are you with me? So God's Word will actually affect our worldview and alter the way that we think because we are renewing our minds with the Word of God. We want to see things the way that God sees them. We want to think the way that God thinks. You know, we want to have you know, the, 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 uh, the, the capacity, the perspective that God brings to what's going on around about us. And the good news is this, that we have an entire book filled with the way that God thinks, and it's called the Bible. Wow. So good, so good. So we need to open up our Bible and to read it. That may have been a revelation to some people here this morning. It's not just a dust-collecting device on our shelf, but it's not to see how many different versions that you can collect and then go on a swap meet down at the local high school oval or something. It, it, the Word of God is there for us to read, to digest, to meditate upon, to think upon, for us to write out, to learn, to, for it to become a part of us, for us to start to walk it out in our lives. You know, we need to read our Bible and, and listen to it as well. The, 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 the capacity in the version app is that uh, you can listen to uh, the, the Bible. You can press the little speaker button and it starts to play for you. What a great way to go to sleep at night, listening to the Word of God. How about going, you know, getting ready for, for, for work or you're getting ready for coming to church? You listen to the Word of God. You know, it's, it's, it's you're driving the car and you, and, and you just play the word, word of God as, you, as you're driving in your car. See, the Word of God is alive. It's active. It's powerful. And when we read it, it will catch our attention. So the first thing that we've got to start to understand is that stretching our faith is catching God's Word. It's, 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 we don't let it go through to the keeper. Do you understand what I mean? Like we don't let the ball go through to the keeper. We, we actually smack the sucker and we score a six off of it or, or we score a home run. We don't let it go through to the catcher's mitt. We actually smack that sucker straight out of the, the ballpark. That's what we need to do with the Word of God. We, 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 we look like... Get a hold of it and let it touch our lives. We're gonna, if we're going through something 
As we read the Word of God, there's going to be an answer. There's going to be a course of action. There's going to be a thought, a way forward that will catch our attention as we're walking through what we're going. And God's going to speak to us about that. He's going to help us to understand there's something He's wanting us to do. And that's when we move on to number two. And that's when we start to stretch our faith through a confidence in God's Word. We get confidence in God's Word. As we read the Word of God, it will catch our attention and faith will be stirred within us and our faith brings with it a confidence and assurance about what God said. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us an assurance about things that we cannot see. What's it saying? It's, It's one thing to hear the Word of God, but it's another thing completely to believe it. And what happens is that when we catch that word, we start to understand that because of who has said it to us, that we can place a confidence in it, and that helps us to create faith within our life. We may have heard uh, for, for years that Jesus is Lord and grown up in a Christian home, but something happened the day that we believed the Word of God. Everything changed from that moment. That's why our vision statement as a church is to encounter God why is that the very first thing that I want this church to do? What's, why is that the, what I want people to experience when they come to Infused Church? Because one encounter with God will change everything. It'll change our family. It'll change our ancestry. It'll change our destiny. It'll change so much in our lives. It'll change the things that we're going through because we've had an encounter with God. Everything changed when we believed. Romans 10 verses 9 to 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you, are, you confess and that you are saved. See, we became a Christian from hearing and believing the Word of God. So we caught the Word of God. It It resonated with us in such a way that because we suddenly realise who's spoken this to us, that it's changed the way that we live. We're now born again. Who existed before doesn't exist anymore. We've got a new DNA. Our Heavenly Father is the one that we're we're following and and that we're, 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 we're pursuing after. See, this goes for every part of our Christian life. Hearing or catching and believing. It's about hearing the Word of God and placing a confidence in it. Because when we read God's Word, we shouldn't hesitate to believe it. Because it's God's Word. It's God's Word. It's not some philosopher. It's not some poet that just came up out of somewhere and and just suddenly exploded on the scene as the next best thing since sliced bread. No, it's the Word of God. It is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says this, All Scripture, all Scripture is what? It is God-breathed. It is God-inspired. It is something that God orchestrated. He, He birthed it. He created it. He spoke it into being. And men and women throughout history in the Bible have put this together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is God's Word. And it's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Can I tell you this morning 
that the first person that the, the, the Word of God needs to teach or rebuke or correct and train is us. We're not reading the Word of God so that we can go to the person that we've got to beef with and, and prove to them from the bits of passages, scriptures that we just looked up on Google to find out how we can attack them and bring them down in their argument. No, the first person that the Word of God needs to speak to is us. We catch it for ourselves. We are self-feeders, like I said last week. We need to become self-feeders. In other words, we need to allow the Word of God to resonate in our lives, in our hearts and in our spirit. If God said it, it doesn't matter how we feel about it. We just need to believe it. And when we believe it, our confidence in His Word will grow. God's Word trumps everything else. Even Donald. God's word is supreme. God's word is eternal. Though heaven and earth shall pass away, yet my word will last forever. If God's word says it, then the matter's settled. And we can be confident in what God says, and it's time to believe it. And that leads me to point number three. Not only do we catch it, that it bursts within us a confidence to believe it because of who has said it to us, but that stretching our faith comes with a conviction about God's Word. There's a conviction that's attached to God's Word. Now, I need to preface this message this morning. I probably should have started it, but I got you know, sort of like distracted because my laptop decided to play a different game that I wanted it to play. But I, I just wanted to say that it's, it's likely that I may offend some people this morning with this message. I don't do that intentionally. Seriously, I don't. I'm doing it to prove a point and to illustrate something that I personally have been challenged in. Okay? And I just want to bring that out. But there's some other things that may challenge you in this message this morning. So the stretching our faith involves having a conviction about God's Word. We catch it, we, we, uh, we have a confidence that's built up as a result of it, but it also brings with it the ability to have a conviction about the Word of God. Once we've caught God's Word and we put our confidence in it, we need to own it. We need to own it. This is my Word. This is what God has spoken to me and I'm going to personalise it. I'm going to take that into my life. I'm going to guard that. I'm going to protect that. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to see something happen because I'm going to own what God has, what, God, what I've caught from God because He's spoken it to me. I'm going to own that word. We need to be like Abraham and here's the way that he responded in this moment. Let, let me explain this too. And I'm going to try and just walk us through this a little bit. In Romans chapter 4, verses 17 to 21. And, and I've, I just need to let you know that I'm going to slow it down because I need to slow me down. Because I get excited about this. Okay, this, this, you know, it. This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This is something that God spoke to Abraham. It says, This happened 
Because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. There are people here today that you have had promises of God over your life. And I encourage you today to keep on hoping. Keep on believing. Keep on taking that word and owning that word. It says, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb, through whom the promise was going to have to come. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. It says, in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And hear, hear this, catch this. He was fully convinced. He had a conviction about the word of God. That God is able to do whatever he promises. Is that what you believe today? Is that God can do whatever he promised to do in your life. If you have that, you caught a word from God. You know that this was a word from God. There was a confidence that you had caught this word from Him, as it created within you a conviction that what God has said is true. Because I want to tell you that Abraham kept hoping. He was a hundred years old, and Sarah's womb was as good as dead. But even God is in the resurrection. I'm so glad he's in the resurrection business. You know, he's the God who raises the dead. He's the God who brings those things that are dead and brings them back to life. That's the God that we served. That's the God that we have living within us because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Abraham kept hoping. Abraham never wavered. Abraham had a stretching of faith in his life. He was fully convinced. Abraham owned God's word for himself. This was his word. This was something that God had spoken to him. Say, so when God has said to, to Abraham, I want you to give me your son Isaac as a sacrifice. So Abraham says, sure thing, Father. And so Abraham takes his son Isaac and they go on this journey. They've got all the firewood on the back of the donkey and, and the, the knife for the, the slaying of the sacrifice. And, and they go up to the top of the mountain and Isaac says, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, you're it, buddy. It's your turn. God's asked for your life. But in the moment of that, God, Abraham had this complete conviction that God was still going to bring about the promise that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. And he's looking at the fulfillment of that promise in his son Isaac. And he knows that even if he kills Isaac, that God would raise Isaac to life or that there would be a substitutionary sacrifice 
for his son Isaac. And that's what happened. As he's about to slay Isaac, God speaks to him. He says, stay your hand, Abraham, for now I know that you will not even withhold to me your son, your only son, the son of a promise. And there's the rattling in a bush. And it's a ram that's going to take the place of Isaac. That, when you start to think about, it models what Jesus came to do. Because we were Isaac, due to be sacrificed. But God placed Jesus in our stead. And we became like released from that. And Jesus died the death that we should have died. Have you got a conviction like Abraham, an unwavering hope, an unwavering conviction about the Word of God, the promise of God that God has given to you? Because my my question is this today. Do you live by conviction or do you live by preference? Let me explain this. Because you can be talked out of a preference, but you cannot be talked out of a conviction. I'm going to offend some people. See, I have a conviction that there is no greater sport than the English Premier League. That's my conviction. You will never talk me out of that. I'm sorry, AFL fans, I love you. We've got one down the back. He's showing me his scarf. See, automatically we've created division. But there's a conviction I have. I have a conviction that there is no greater sport to watch and to be at than the English Premier League. English Premier League football. Football. It is always, I have a conviction that it's football. And you can't talk me out of that. But you know what? I have a preference about where I want to go on holiday. But I can be talked out of that depending on how good a deal that I can get. See the difference? I have a conviction about something. But then if I've got a preference about something, I can be cha- my mind can be changed. Because of different circumstances, because it's not a conviction. I'm not convinced at every time that we need to go to a certain place to go on holiday. It's, we experienced maybe a good time there once before. We'd love to go back there again. But you know what? If I get a bit better deal, I, I'd love to go somewhere else. That's the difference between a conviction and a preference. So my question in, in all of this was that what's... What are you convicted about? What, what do you like, have a conviction about this morning? Do you have a conviction about the Word of God? Do you have a conviction about the, uh, you following after Jesus? Do you have a conviction about some things in life? When I, I'm, I'm, I'm working through some marriage counselling with some people at the moment. And one of the things I always ask them is what are the non-negotiables in your relationship? In other words, you know, what, what are the things that are not up for discussion in your relationship? What are those things? Because if you can identify what those things are and make a decision that they are a non-negotiable in your relationship, 
then when it comes time to deviate from those things, that all you need is the discipline to back up your decision about what your non-negotiable was. As an example, if uh, you've made a, a non-negotiable in your relationship that uh, faith in Jesus Christ is absolutely what we are going to base our relationship on. Our, our faith in Christ is going to be at the centerpiece of our relationship together. We're going to make a decision that that's what our, our marriage is going to be revolving around is our relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ in that. When there comes a time to deviate from that, when it comes a time to say, look, I, I just can't read my Bible anymore. No, 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 hang on a minute, hang on. We just need the discipline to continue to hang on to God in the middle of our relationship because we're not turning our back on God. All you need is the discipline. Your decision's already made. You just need the discipline to follow through on the decision. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you've made it like a, as a decision, uh, a, a non-negotiable, that when there's an opportunity to go to church, then when there's an opportunity not to go to church, because it's a non-negotiable in, your, in your, your relationship with God, you're going to go. You've made the decision. All you need is the discipline to back the decision. Does that make sense? I told her I'd upset some people this morning. See, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had said. Paul was convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. What's our conviction about what God's Word says? Is it a conviction or something that we can be talked out of? To have a conviction about God's Word means we're absolutely committed to it because it's His Word. Therefore, we own it. That's my Word. I'm going to stand on that Word. I'm going to believe. What's your, what's your non-negotiable? I'm going to believe the Word of God. So when your friends tell you, that you're, you're absolute nuts. Why do you go to church on a Sunday? Why do you waste your time? Well, you can tell them, because I can tell you right now, it's one of the most amazing times of my week where I experience the wonderful presence of God because to me, Jesus is alive. He died for me, and he, 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 he's given me eternal life, and it's the same life that you could experience too. That's why I go to church. I'm surrounded by people that love me and care about me regardless they like me. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, every day we can speak and cling to God's Word. When we want to receive our healing, and then search through God's Word. Find verse after verse after verse about what God says about healing. Highlight those verses. Print them out. Tape them up onto your mirror at home. Add them as the home screen on your smartphone. Speak them out every day. And when we've caught something from God's Word, where we can have the confidence in it, and it's then up to us to simply own it or not. What's your conviction about God's Word today? Can I encourage you to own God's Word in your life? Number four, number four, simply stretching our faith through carrying out God's Word. So we catch it, there's a confidence in it, there's a conviction about it. Now we've got to carry it out. What does that mean? Well, James chapter 2, 17 to 18 speaks about it. He says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
He says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, there's got to be an action to what, we do, what we're believing. We've got to live God's word out. It's one thing to, really, to read and then to believe and take a hold of something, but it's another thing to act on it. When we know that God's spoken to us through his word, it's time to act like it. We know what we need to do, but knowing what we need to do and actually doing what we need to do are two very different things. Our healing, our breakthrough, our victory, our restoration, our provision will only come when we actually do what the Word of God tells us to do. And many people haven't seen their healing, their breakthrough, their victory, their restoration or their provision because they may have caught the Word, they may have had a confidence in the Word, even owned that Word for themselves, but they've not acted on what the Word of God said to do in that moment. They just thought that the believing was enough. And it's not. There's got to come an outworking of the Word of God in our lives. If the Word of God says to forgive, then you've got to forgive. If the Word of God says to love your enemies, then we've got to love our enemies. We have to act upon God's Word. We're allowing it to, uh, to grow in us, to settle in us, to become active and strong in our lives. See, catching God's Word, having a confidence in God's Word, being fully convinced of God's Word and carrying out God's Word is a lifelong calling for followers of Jesus. And this will be challenged again and again and again and again. Will you actually do what the Word of God says? Now, I want to say to us this morning, I want to give us an example of this catching a word, of having a confidence in God's Word, having a conviction about God's Word, and then acting on God's Word. I want to give us a personal example that's happened to me this week where I was challenged in this very area. At the start of this week, in South Australia, we were not allowed to sing inside of our buildings. It was a restriction placed on us by our government in relation to the COVID rules and regulations that they put out about what can and cannot happen in various settings and arenas. And for us as a church, because we meet inside, we could not sing. They had placed a restriction on singing. Now, Late last night, I found out that they'd lifted that restriction. We still have to wear masks, and that's okay. But the, the point is this. I know what God's Word says about submitting to the governing authorities of obeying, of honouring, of praying for, and being subject to those in authority. I've caught that Word for myself. I, I know what the Word of God says. Those passages in God's Word that relate to those areas are written by the apostles Paul and Peter. So I understand, okay, I can have a faith in it. There's a confidence in me. That's God's Word. It's not just something I read on the back of a matchbox. This is something that, that is real. It's, it's, it's something God has said in His Word. So I'm fully convinced that this is what God said. So I now simply need to obey. I need to carry out God's Word. Okay. So when I heard about the changes to the restrictions for people attending Aussie rules, it's not football. <laughs> attending football. Okay, I'll go with you. But no changes for us in how we gather and express our faith inside this building. 
I want to tell you again that I was so frustrated. I was so angry. I, I, my, my, my first uh, re- response, my reaction to this was to completely disregard the restrictions that were placed on us by the government in not singing this morning. Okay? I wanted to come to here this morning if those restrictions about singing were still in place. We couldn't sing. In. I wanted to come here this morning. I wanted to say to you, you know what? If they can go to the football and they can do what they like in the football, they can yell, rant, rave and, and do whatever they want at the football. Surely we as the people of God could come to our service this morning and sing to our heart's content and let it rip. Just sing for God. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to completely disregard what the government said. But I want to say this this morning. And this is my my thought process in this whole thing. That does not honour God in any way. It does not honour God. It would have set a wrong example for other people. There is a real risk that in not abiding by those restrictions, that some would see it as a license to themselves to disregard those restrictions. They would be thinking that they'd been given permission because I'd stood before people and said, don't worry about the restrictions. They're off their rocker. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. Just because the government, that people would take that as license. And then, you know, do you know human nature? Okay, have you ever heard the saying, you give them an inch and they take a? What was that? Oh, so if we say, hey, you know what, these restrictions, Christiane, don't worry about them. You know what, that can, that can then escalate to so much more than just the seeing. They give people, it gives themselves a license to do something else. It, 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 what stops people then from picking and choosing the laws that they would obey in life? You know that silly one about murder? Don't <laughs> worry about that. You know that bloke that's been ticking you off for ages? Because we're chucking out the, the restrictions on singing, we can chuck out the one on murder as well. Just, just carve them up. I'm just joking. Please... No emails about sharpening knives. See, I calm myself down. And this is the the, the thought, and and it's important to understand my thought processes in this. I want you to understand that this stuff hits me as well. It's not just uh, that I'm standing up here speaking like I've got it all together. Stuff challenges me. Okay, It challenges me. It frustrates me at times. I get angry about it, and, and it ticks you off. But we... Just because it ticks us off doesn't make it wrong. Maybe God's trying to say something to me in that moment. So what I did was this. I calmed myself down and I asked myself three important questions. My first question was this. Is this restriction telling me to do anything that is against the Word of God or contrary to the Word of God? No, it wasn't. Have I been asked to do or or told to break the law of the land? No, I hadn't. Had I been asked to, to do something or act in any way that was immoral? Again, no. So I asked myself those three questions. Is it against the word of God? Is it against the the law of the land? And is it in any way immoral? Every one of those questions came back in the negative. No, that wasn't. Then I knew that I needed to set aside my preference. My 
preference and go with my conviction and do what we'd been told, and that is to obey the law of the land. Some of you may find this really difficult to swallow, and, and I understand that. I'm just walking you through my process. In doing this, it showed that I had caught the Word of God, that I had a confidence in the Word of God, that I was fully convinced about the Word of God, and that I was willing to carry out the Word of God. To put it simply, the Word of God is my conviction, so I will obey it. That's how I came to the point today, that if we weren't allowed to sing then I would have stood before you and said, we can't sing today. As much as I'd have wanted to, inside. I would have wanted to, but I couldn't. Because the Word of God tells me to behave in a certain way. And either the Word of God is good for one circumstance, then it's got to be good for others. If I think that I can excuse the word of God and say, now, well, you know, contextually and, and looking at the Greek and the Hebrew, when you times it by the date of birth and you think about the number you first thought of, and, well, then it obviously discounts it. We've got to listen to the word of God. Stretching our faith is always going to be tested. And the outcome of the test is to simply do what God's word tells us to do. The best thing is this, that we are always empowered to do the right thing by the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. He helps us to do that. So when we listen to God and believe what he says, we take him at his word and we act on it. We've got this conviction. We'll find that our faith will be stretched and growing like never before. That's the mark of a disciple, that we've got this growth happening within us. We're going on a journey with God who stretches our faith. And just as Dean comes back and the team come back, let's let God's work, God's word work in our life. And as we do that, we're going to see things happen like we've never seen before. Can we stand this morning? I hope that helps some people today. It was something that I felt like I needed to, to help with, to understand my processes and uh, maybe that it's helped you into you know, overcoming some areas that uh, you just maybe were struggling in this whole thing. What does God say about an issue? What does God say about a situation? And I, I, I know that there are people here this morning, maybe you're struggling in this season, it's what's going on and what's happening around about. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and bring your peace. Bring your strength. Speak a word. Catch their attention with a word this week that helps to sustain them, even though they feel they're being overwhelmed or being stretched beyond their ability to continue to do what they're doing. I pray, Holy Spirit, catch people's attention with a word, with a whisper, with something in their lives that will change them forever. And Father, help us to, to own that word. Help us to, to have a confidence in it. Help us to walk in the truth of that word and see our, our faith being stretched in, in completely new and different ways. Father, I thank you for your people today. Bless them and encourage them in Jesus' name. Just as every head's bowed and every eye is closed, if there's people here that you don't know Jesus this morning, 
I want to tell you that what I said about with uh, Jesus being our substitutionary sacrifice, that that's true of you too. Jesus died for you so that you can live with God the Father for eternity. And this morning, if you don't know how to access that, that, that sacrifice, you don't know how to, how to make that happen, all you need to do is to, to, to repent of your sin, repent of the way that you've been living, saying, God, I just asked you to come in and be my Lord. I want to give you my life from this moment forward. Would you come? I believe that you died for me. I don't understand the fully thing, but I just want to believe it this morning. And with your mouth, you confess, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Would you come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, change my life. There's people here this morning. You just want to pray that prayer for the very first time. Can I put you, ask you to put your hand up? I would love to know who I'm praying for this morning. We'd love to give you some materials to help you on your walk. With, maybe you're watching this message online today. Put a comment in the comments area. Type a means of us contacting you. We'll get some details to you. But is there anyone here this morning? Just want to give your heart to Jesus. Put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. Anyone at all? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. Bless them, encourage them in Jesus' name.